Mark chapter 16, we're going to be there at verse 1. Now last week I was preaching on the fall of Peter. The fall of Peter. And before I got going, I mentioned we're going to do the fall and then the rise of Peter. Last Sunday I preached on the fall of Peter and he took six steps to the fall of Peter. The first thing we found Peter doing was boasting. He was boasting. And then he was sleeping instead of praying. And then he was smiting instead of listening. And then he started following afar off. He started following Jesus Christ afar off. And then the fifth step that we found was he started sitting down with the ungodly. And then the last thing he did was he denied Jesus Christ three times. And then the last, when we left off, uh, him and Jesus Christ made eye contact with, with each other. And Peter saw the eyes of Jesus and the look that Jesus gave him. And Peter went off. And the Bible says that Peter went off and wept bitterly. That was the fall of Peter. Now I want to I point out something that the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16. The Bible tells us, For a just man falleth seven times and rises up again. Amen. We read that to you again. A just man, a just man falleth seven times and rises up again. Let me tell you something. It's not about how many times you get knocked down. It's about how many times you get up. I love a good fight. I love a good boxing match. I love a good MMA fight. And the best fights I've ever seen is when one of them gets knocked down and he gets back up and keeps on fighting. And gets knocked down and gets back on and keep, uh, keeps on fighting. Brothers and sisters, in the Lord, let me tell you something. You're in the world. You're in the flesh. You're going to get knocked down. Your flesh is going to knock you down. The devil's going to knock you down. This world's going to knock you down. One of those three is going to knock you down. But you have the ability through Jesus Christ, through righteousness in Jesus Christ, to rise up again. And this is what Peter's going to do. Peter got knocked down. It's a public humiliation. And we're going to see as Peter has fell down to the lowest he's ever been. Let's find out what happens to Peter. Now we're going to find out. We're going to look at the rise of Peter. Look at Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, verse 1. And when the Sabbath was passed, now this is Jesus Christ. He's been crucified. Now Jesus Christ has been buried. He's been buried for three days. And he's in a tomb, or they think he's in a tomb. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him, anoint Jesus. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came into the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. They said among themselves, Who shall roll away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away for it was very great. Uh-oh, they come, they see the stone, and they're thinking they're going to have to find somebody to help them move the, this big old stone, and they see the stone's already been rolled away. Verse 5, And entering into the sepulcher, they see a young man sitting on the right side, that'd be an angel, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. Behold the place where they laid him. Praise God. That's the best news you ever got is that Jesus Christ is not in a grave. He's risen. And this angel says, he's not here. You're sick of him, but he's not here. He's risen. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way, verse 7, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Now I want to go back up to verse 7 and point out, now we're looking at Peter. Notice what the Bible says, but go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth 
before you into Galilee. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your words, Lord. I thank you for men like Peter that we can see their story, Lord, that you've written down and documented, Lord Jesus. We can see where they've made mistakes, made major mistakes, made big mistakes, Lord, have denied you. And, Lord, you still can show us how they can rise up, Lord, and serve you. And I thank you for that, Lord. And I thank you for uh, your, your Holy Spirit. And I thank you for your healing hand on our church, Lord. And, Lord, I pray, Lord, as these services continue, Lord, if there's somebody that needs to make a decision for you this morning, they'll come on down and get saved, Lord. Or if maybe they're, maybe they're following you afar off, Lord, like Peter was. Maybe they denied you like Peter did, Lord. Maybe they've done some stuff they're not... They're ashamed of, Lord God, like all of us have, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that through your Holy Spirit, you'll speak to the heart of truth, Lord God. And I pray they can rise up and start serving you again. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray, amen. All right, so notice there in verse 7. But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter. Obviously, something's going on here, and, it, and Peter has lost his discipleship. Because it separates the disciples and Peter from each other. So Peter's lost his discipleship here in verse 7. Peter was not cast out. Jesus Christ says, all those coming out will no wise cast out. Peter wasn't cast out. Peter wasn't going to go to hell now. Peter's still got a place in heaven. Uh, Peter still has a place with Jesus Christ. But Peter had lost his position with the Lord. The Lord had other disciples that were following with him, other people that followed with him, but Peter had been chosen out of those other disciples to be an apostle, to be one of the twelve, and he had been chosen by Jesus Christ, but now he had lost that position by denying Jesus Christ, by that fall that he had had. A Christian shouldn't expect to live whatever life he wants to live and then expect the Lord to still have fellowship with him. That's the biggest mistake Christians make. We get saved, we take Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and then we expect to keep living the life we're living, living out in the world, doing what the world does, and expect to have a great fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It just doesn't work that way, brothers and sisters. It doesn't work that way anywhere in your Bible. It doesn't work that way in my Christian walk. Because when, when I'm living for the world, when I'm doing all those things that the world wants me to do, I don't have a great fellowship with the Lord. The Lord is holy. He's righteous. And the world is unholy and unrighteous. You, you can't have both. It just don't work that way. Now understand this, that when you get saved, you have a different relationship with God. There's a difference between relationship and fellowship. Amen? Okay, listen to this. There's a difference between relationship and fellowship. Relationship is your relationship between God and you. Now when you get saved, you're born again, you're born into the family of God, therefore you become a son of God, therefore God now is your father and you're his son, and I'm here to tell you this morning, that never changes. Man, you are quiet this morning. Amen! <laughs> don't change. You don't, you don't stop being a son. I have a son, and my son's my son until the day I die. He might get up one morning and say, he's not my daddy anymore. I don't care if you think I'm your daddy anymore. I'm your daddy, and you're my son. And I'm still going to tell you what I think, and you're still going to do what I tell you to do. If you don't, then that's okay. You're a disobedient son, but you're still my son. Amen? Amen. Okay, y'all. Some of y'all kids can say amen to that. Some of y'all kids come up to, you're not my daddy anymore. All right, whatever. I wish I couldn't be your daddy, but I am your daddy. You know, that's the way God is, right? Amen. Sometimes God didn't get a good deal with us. Some of y'all need to wise up. Some of y'all think, oh, God got a good deal with me. God didn't get a good deal with you. Some of y'all, some of y'all, God got a good deal. Y'all were good people. You got, when God got you into the kingdom of God, when you got saved, he got a pretty good deal with you. He didn't get a good deal with me. And I, I mess up all the time. I'm like Peter. I mess up all the time, do all things I shouldn't do. 
But I'm still his son. And you know what he does, a father does to a good son, the Bible says? He spanks him when he don't behave. Ooh, Mufasa. Oh, spanking. We don't say those words anymore in America. And my mom used to spank me with a belt. Ooh, she was mean. No, she was righteous. And I had it coming. And what God does is when you don't behave, he's going to spank you. So I'm here to tell you this morning, you've got, just like Peter, you can't do those things that, that God doesn't want you to do. You can't be living out in the world and think your fellowship is going to be still all right. So the difference is you've got your relationship with God. That's never going to change. But your fellowship, it does change. There's times I walk real close to the Lord. There's times I'm not, I'm like Peter, I'm walking afar off and the Lord's way up there. Now, the Lord hasn't changed. Who's changed? I've changed. That's me changed. The Lord's still righteous. The Lord's still holy. The Lord's still doing good things. The Lord's still loving. The Lord's still caring. The Lord still loves me and cares for me. But I've changed. He's up here and I've decided I want to go this way. And I can't start going this way and expect the Lord us to have the same kind of fellowship. It makes common sense when you think about when you're walking right with the Lord. When you talk to somebody you're walking right with them. What's the, what happens? They can hear you even when you're whispering. Amen. He went and say, hey, you, 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 you're so close to each other, you can be whispering to each other. Nobody else hears it but you and him. But when you far it off, you've gotten far off from the Lord, hey, Lord, what are you doing out there? And he's trying to answer you. You can't hear it. The reason why you might not be hearing the Lord is because he's too far off and you need to get close to him. This is what you're seeing here with Peter. He's lost his discipleship. Look at John chapter 20. Now, we're going to have to go through some uh, different verses this morning. Look at Gospel of John chapter 20. We're going to have to go through some verses this morning to try to piece all this together. Uh, we're going to piece this resurrection together. And as we piece this together, you'll see this rise of Peter as Peter rises up from his fall that he had there that we talked about last Sunday. So go back to Gospel of John, Gospel of John chapter 1. Gospel of John, I mean, Gospel of John chapter 20. Excuse me, pardon me. Gospel of John chapter 20 verse 1. Yeah, when you study the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that's a study. I'm here to tell you. Uh, you got to piece it all together. It's a, it was a major study for me to get it all together because you're reading one account, and then this one account, and you're like, I thought, that the, I thought that Mark said this, and I thought that the Gospel of Luke said this, and now John's saying that. But when you piece it all together, it makes sense. And you say, well, what, God done that. You have the different accounts, and you put them all together. Uh, Frank, I think his name is... Uh, Wallace, his last name's Wallace. He wrote he wrote a couple of books, a case for Christ, case for Christianity. He wrote a couple of books called Case for Christianity. Uh, he was a detective in L.A. for twenty something years, and he was a devout atheist. And he he decided because his wife was talking about Christianity, he decided, well, I'll study the resurrection and I'll prove to my wife that Christianity is just a fluke. It's just it's it's wrong. It doesn't there's nothing to it. But as a detective, when he started reading these accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know what he said? He said, I started noticing that this is exactly what happens when I go to, the, to investigate a crime, investigate a murder. Because you get this one person says this thing, and this one person says this thing, and so-and-so says that thing. But when, you, when you're a detective, you write down what they say, and then you get back, and you start piecing it together. And they've seen it from this point of view, and they've seen it from that point of view. And you get that third person's point of view, and you know what you have? That you have the truth. That's what you have. Because you, ha you can piece together what happened. And from doing that, Wallace 
became a Christian, got saved. Because the way we're doing it. So, if you have any questions about this, don't ask me. I'm still studying it myself. Now, I can give you some answers, but I'm not going to be able to do it on a Sunday morning service. Chapter 20, verse 1. Chapter 20, verse 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Okay, we've, we've read that together. Now look at verse 2. Then she runneth, and cometh to Simon Peter, and unto the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, that would be John, the, Jesus, the one whom Jesus loved, that's John, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we, now, we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they, they ran both together. That'd be the other disciple would be John. They ran together. John did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. So Mary Magdalene comes and said, they've taken Jesus. We don't know where they've stole his body. We don't know where we, they've laid him. So Peter and John hears this. Peter and John leave out to go to the sepulcher. They start running and John outruns Peter to the sepulcher. Peter was not in a hurry to go face his biggest mistake. Now you can maybe, there's a chance and it's possible that maybe John was a faster runner than Peter. Physically, he could physically outrun Peter in a race. But I think when you study the scripture and you get to looking at it, more than likely Peter wasn't really in a big hurry. Because they think they're running to a dead man's tomb. Their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has been crucified. He's dead. Look at verse 9. Skip down to verse 9 just for, for context sake. Look at verse 9. For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. They didn't know Jesus Christ. They, they, he had told them, but the Holy Spirit hadn't revealed it to them. He, the scriptures revealed that he had told them, but they didn't believe it. They didn't understand it. So they thought they were going to the dead man's tomb, and Peter wasn't in a hurry to get there. Peter is no hurry to face his mistakes. He's in no hurry to face his mistakes. Now, would you? Would you be in a hurry to go face the biggest mistake you ever made? This mistake that was so embarrassing, it showed Peter. What did that mistake that we saw last Sunday, what did those mistakes show Peter to be? It showed Peter to be a liar to, in front of all his friends, in front of the Lord Jesus Christ. It showed Peter to be a liar. It showed Peter to be a hypocrite. And it also showed Peter to be a coward. Now, come on, you men. How would you like that? Your best friends, you get 11 of your best friends you have, and you do something in front of 11 of your best friends that shows that you're a liar, that you're a hypocrite, and above all else, you're a coward? You're going to run and try to make that right? <laughs> That's embarrassing. Amen? That's the problem with Christians. Amen? That's the problem with us. We have trouble facing our biggest challenges. We have trouble facing our biggest mistakes. Some of us in here have made some really big mistakes that's made us public failures made us failures in our family's eyes it's made us failures in our community's eyes it's made us failures in our co-workers eyes and all I can tell you is you just got to get up and rise up again that's all I can tell you you're going to have to face your mistakes face the problems you've made with the power of Jesus Christ and just keep on keeping on I can tell you this guys I know some of y'all don't understand this because maybe you hadn't made as big of mistakes as me. When you've made some of the biggest big mistakes like I have and like Peter has, you got to take it and you got to put it under the blood of Jesus Christ. That's all you can do. you got to put it under the blood of Jesus Christ. You ask Jesus Christ to forgive you. You know what happens when you do that? You get up and Jesus Christ forgets it. I've never had Jesus Christ come back to me and say, you remember when you did this this? You remember when you did that and that? I've never had the Lord do that. 
Amen. I've never had him do that. He's never reminded me of my sin. Jesus Christ. Now, you know who has reminded me of my sin? Friends. Co-workers. The devil. The world. Family members. <laughs> Real quick to remind you of some mistakes you made in your past. Jesus Christ has never reminded me. And sometimes we're afraid to go to put our heart onto Jesus Christ and get rid of those mistakes and to face our mistakes. And we need to remember that when we're coming to Jesus Christ, we're not coming to a throne of condemnation. Hebrews 4 tells us we're coming to a throne of grace. And grace is unmerited and free, and he gives all the free you need. He, you're free of that sin. I forgive you. Don't worry about it. I'll never remember it again. You know, the Bible says that God does with your sins. He takes them, he puts them in a sack, and it says he throws them as far as the east is from the west. Praise God. Now, I guess I'm in this church that means the east from the west. Am I right? Some of y'all don't get that. The Bible says he takes your sin. We're right here in America, right? And he, far, he throws it as far as the east is from the west. So if you start going east, you never go west. But if he said, I'm going to throw your sins as far as the north from the south, then you come up and you'll come right back down and start going south again. You got the right book. <laughs> Amen. Some of y'all are not going to get it. God says in yeah, I think he says in Habakkuk, he says, I'm going to take your sins, I'm going to put them in a bag, and I'm going to throw them, and throw them down in the ocean. I heard of a guy, he was flying over the ocean. We, were just, we just come from the coast, he was flying over the ocean, and he was with that pilot, and he looked out, and he said, man, look at all that water. And that pilot said, yeah, and that's only the top. I'm going to take your sin, I'm going to throw it down into the ocean. God says, I'm never going to remember it again. So why are you afraid to go and get rid of your sin? Peter wasn't, a, wasn't real quick to go to this tomb because that's his biggest mistake. And I'm here to tell you, Christian, you need to get rid of those mistakes. When you fail like Peter has, you need to get rid of those mistakes. Here's something interesting. Keep on reading with me. Verse 5. And he's stooping down and looking in, talking about John. Saw the linen clothes lying, yet when he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter, following him, and went into the sepulchre, and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. So John gets there, and he gets to the tomb, and he's looking in. And he, you know, he's not going to go in. I don't know if he's afraid, he's scared, or whatever. He's just, he's kind of looking in. Here comes Peter. Peter gets there, and he goes, get out of the way. Let me go into it. So John says, man, all I see is some clothes laying in there. And Peter says, what are you talking about? Let me see that. What this speaks to, and I'm going to tell you something about Jesus Christ. What this speaks to is Jesus Christ is always going to surprise you. He's going to surprise you. Just when you think, now I, I've only been a Christian for 30 years, but just when you think you've got Jesus Christ figured out, he'll surprise you. And Peter's been walking with Jesus Christ for three and a half years. He thinks he knows everything about Jesus Christ. He's in, laying in the tomb. He's dead. Uh, I don't really want to go face my mistakes. And he gets in there and John says, hey, Peter, man, he, I don't, I don't see him in here. All I see is some clothes. And Peter's like, what are you, what, what are you talking about? Now they're confused. Now Peter's gone into, what's, this, what's going on with Jesus now? Because look at what it says there. 
Verse 8, then went in also that other disciple, that'd be Peter, which came in first to the sepulcher, I mean John, and saw and believed. John then believed, hey, all we see is this linen cloth like wrapped up over here. Some people think that might have been his prayer shawl. Whatever you might, might have been, what that shows you is if they had stole the body of Jesus Christ, they wouldn't have took the time to wrap up that cloth and lay it over here. They'd have just thrown it and took that cloth. Shows that Jesus Christ came up, wrapped that up, and put that there, or one of the angels, and said, I would just set it over there. For as they, verse 9, for as yet they knew not the scripture that must, he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again into their own home. They didn't know. They didn't know Jesus Christ was going to rise from the dead. This is something new. And I'm here to tell you, when you go, and some of you are afraid to, take, to, to come to Jesus Christ. Some of you are afraid to come to Jesus Christ with your mistakes, with your problems even as a Christian. And if you'll just trust me and come to Jesus Christ, the best way you know how, you'll find a Jesus Christ that the world doesn't talk about. Amen. Amen. You'll find a Jesus Christ that loves you, that cares for you. And let me, let, me, let me make sure you understand where I'm going with this. You're going to encounter the man Jesus Christ that understands. I don't know how many people I've dealt with and talked to and they said, well, nobody understands me. Jesus Christ understands. You don't know the sin I'm dealing with. You don't know the urges I have. You don't know the, th the thoughts that go through my mind. I don't. No, I don't. But I know a man who does. His name is Jesus Christ. And the Bible says he was tempted in all, sin at all points just like us. But he didn't sin. He was tempted just like you're tempted. He's dealt with some of the same things you're dealing with. And he can understand. He can understand your faults. Now turn to Luke. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Let's start, let's start piecing this together. Now something, something happens. Luke chapter 24, verse 30. The rise of Peter. Luke chapter 24, verse 30. We're having to take, go to these different gospels to piece all this together. But you will find, you will see the truth in here. Now something really mysterious happens. Something really mysterious happens. Look at verse 30. Luke chapter 24, verse 30. So the two, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, Jesus Christ starts talking to them. He walks up and starts talking to them. They don't realize it's Jesus Christ. And he's, going to, he, he's straightening them out, and then he's going to continue walking, and they invite him in to eat. He, they Come on in here and eat with us. Come on in here and eat with us. This is after the resurrection. And verse, uh, we're going to pick up the story in verse 30. And it came to pass as he, that would be Jesus Christ, sat at meat with them. He took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them. And their eyes were opened. That's when their eyes were opened. They realized it was Jesus. And they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. So he's there. He takes the bread and he blesses it in front of them. And they're like, hey, that's Jesus. And then boom, he just disappears. Verse 32. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? Amen. That's the truth. Verse 33, And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them. And this is what they say in verse 34, The Lord is risen indeed. You did see the Lord. That's who you've seen and hath appeared to Simon. And they're told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in the breaking of bread. So they go to the other disciples. Hey, we just seen Jesus. He, he broke bread and we seen him and he vanished out of the way. And the other disciples say, yeah, we know. He, he appeared to Simon. 
So you're saying, Brother Keegan, where's that out in the Scripture? It's not in the Scripture. Now Paul records in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 5, and he, of, the, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Paul says, and then he was seen of Cephas, Paul records it, he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. So here it records that Simon Peter seen Jesus Christ resurrected. Paul says Jesus Christ, that, that Peter seen Jesus Christ resurrected. And then we're going to read where they all twelve were in there when Jesus Christ shows up again in the room. Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ appeared to Simon privately. And they had the big powwow. Peter, sometime or another, and I, maybe, I believe maybe it's when they were walking back from the tomb after they, Peter and John were in the tomb and they seen that Jesus wasn't there. And you know John ran back to talk to everybody. And you know Peter probably just ran back, kind of walked back kind of slowly and was thinking about things. How, man, I denied Jesus three times. And uh, what did they do with his body? And I, I wish I would have done the right thing. And all of a sudden, there's Jesus. Say, why doesn't the Bible record that? I don't know why the Lord didn't record it, but I'll know what it, what I, I'll explain it to you in my Christian walk is the things I get right with with the Lord, that's between me and the Lord. That's not between me and you. And the things that you're going to get right with with Jesus Christ is not between me and you and Jesus Christ. I'm your pastor. I'll help you. I'll pray with you. I'll even sit down with you and talk and open up the scripture. But if you're going to get right with Jesus Christ, that's between you and Jesus Christ. It's a private thing. And I've done told you that when you're coming to Jesus Christ, it's going to be a good thing. You think it's going to be a whipping. No, he whips you when you're far off. <laughs> that's when the whipping happens. When you're far off, that's when he's spanking you, life's going, falling apart. Why does life feel this? Why is life not working? Why is things not working out like, I, like they should? You can't figure out what's going on. You start having all these problems, and he's going, to, he's going to pester you, and the Holy Spirit's going to grind on you until you come back. But when you come back... It's all good, brothers and sisters. I'm telling you. When you come back to Jesus, you think, oh, he's going to yell at me. He's going to condemn me. No, you're coming to a throne of not condemnation. You're coming to a throne of grace. And you're going to come to a father that loves you. Did the, prodig the prodigal son couldn't have done more to the father than he did to shame the family, to shame the family name, to shame God's name, to shame his father to shame his dad, to shame his brother. He did all of that, the prodigal son. And when the prodigal son walked down that road, because he was afar off, and when the prodigal son finally had enough of the world, and he come walking down that road, what does the Bible say? The father ran out and hugged him and kissed him and said, get the robe and put him up. That's what's going to happen to you when you decide to get right with Jesus Christ. And it's not recorded here because it's something private. It's not recorded here because it's something private. If you need to get that fellowship fixed, you've got to get it fixed between you and Jesus. Now, let's, let's close out in John chapter 21, Gospel of John 21. We're still looking at the rise of Peter. You say, well, I wish, I I wish we could read about that conversation between P Peter and Jesus. I do, too. Boy, that'd be some good preaching. But you know what? That's private. And I don't want to know. Just like I don't want to know what goes on between you and Jesus. I think uh, people, people ask me about being in the ministry for, I guess, going on almost 20 years. And I, I tell you what, it's, uh, I've come to realize in my, my work in the, for the Lord and around God's people is I'm not surprised anymore. <laughs> Nothing surprises me. One great truth I found out is everybody has problems. Let me say that again. 
Everybody has problems. Every family has problems. Just every family and everybody ha ha can hide. Some people can hide, can hide them better than others. Amen. Some people can hide them better than others. Everybody has problems. And I've had people come to me and say, oh, my son is doing this, that, and another. And I, I, I laugh. I'm like, oh, if you only knew. I've had some people come to me and confess sins to me that my jaw literally drops onto my chest. I'm like, okay, well, you better get right with the Lord about that one. We're sinners. And you're not going to convince me you're not a sinner. It's too late. <laughs> now, when I was a young man and first got into preaching, you could have come up there and said, oh, Brother Keegan, I'm a saint. Oh, I love the Lord. And I would, oh, angels grow out my back, but I wear this dress so you can't see my angels. Okay, sister, praise God. That's I would have believed you. 19 years ago, but 20-odd years into the ministry, go kid your mama. I don't believe it. That's why I can get up here with authority and say, we're sinners saved by grace. Praise God. And I can sit here with authority and say, hey, if you need to get right with Jesus Christ, go get right, and you'll get right. And I, I, I personally have had some really bad things happen in my life, things I've done, things I'm ashamed of, things I should have never have done. But every single time I've went to Jesus Christ, it's gotten right, and Jesus Christ has accepted me and forgiven me and showed me love and grace and gave me joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. That's my testimony. Now, maybe you can come and tell me, I tried to get right with Jesus, and he shamed me and ran me off. I don't think you will. I've never had a Christian do it. Never had a Christian do it. Now, let's look, look at John chapter 21, verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples on the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise, wise showed he himself. This is how he showed himself. Verse 2. There were together Simon Peter. There's Simon. There's Peter. There's Simon Peter. And Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. So there were seven of them. And Simon was the leader, and Simon saith unto them, I go a fishing. Verse 3. I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. <laughs> Simon was a fisherman before he met Jesus Christ. He was a commercial fisherman. So was James and John. You couldn't have found three better fishermen in the whole Bible. They were commercial fishermen. It'd be like if you went down to the coast and paid one of the best fishermen you've ever met to take you out fishing out on the sea, out Gulf Coast, and you come back and caught nothing. Peter realized that when you get back right with God, you can't go back to the world. Peter realized that when you get right with God, you can't go back to the world. Christians think they can come back, they can get right with Jesus Christ, and they go, thank you, Lord. And they get it. We get it, amen. We get that grace. We get that forgiveness of sins. And you can't explain it. It's such a wonderful feeling to get that forgiveness of sins. We get off, off our knees, and it feels so good. And we think, I'm going to go out and start doing what I was doing before. And it don't work. And he caught nothing. It's never the same. When you get saved, and then you start living, trying to live out in the world, it's never the same. I tried it. It's never the same. We were up here Wednesday night, last Wednesday night, we were having services, and there was a brother up here, I'm not going to name his name, because I don't want y'all to know who it was, but there's a brother up here, and he told me, when I got saved, I started trying to do those things I used to do, and they weren't fun anymore, Brother Keegan. I started laughing, I said, yeah, they're not, he goes, they weren't fun anymore. And then I found out I didn't even really want to do them anymore. 
Yeah, that's what you find out. And what Peter found out is, okay, now I've gotten right with Jesus Christ. I'm going to get back in my boat and I'm going to go fishing. Come on, guys, let's go fishing. Oh, yeah, let's go. And they didn't catch a stinking thing. There's nothing to put, that's nothing to make it man any matter than that, right? Put a sour, sour taste in your mouth. Look at verse 4. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. Go away, old man. We don't have no meat in it. <laughs> hey, y'all catch anything? Tell that old guy to leave us alone. No, we ain't caught anything. Hit the road, man. We don't talk to all of us. Wait, I'd love to. How many? Oh, I ain't catch, we ain't catching nothing. Leave us alone. And he said unto them, verse 6, Cast the net on the right side of the ship. Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it. They were not able to draw it from the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved, that would be John, saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and he cast himself into the sea. Now nakedness in the Bible it's not nakedness like today where we run around completely nude. It was like he had, his, he had his little coat off. He had his shirt off. And then he says, John says, it's the Lord. Oh, and, he, and so Peter puts on his cloak, puts on his little jacket, and, and he jumps off of the boat. See, what you'll notice about Peter here, he was slow to see the Lord's hand working. John's seen it. John, John never had denied Jesus Christ. Well, interesting thing about John is John's the one that never died a martyr's death. John was on the Isle of Patmos. John was the one that was gifted with the gift of Revelation, the book of Revelation. He was the one that got to see Jesus Christ coming back. He got to see all those things we're reading about in Revelation. And I'm preaching about Revelation. John got to see all of that. John never denied Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, when Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross, John was right there with him. And Jesus Christ looked down at John and he says, My mother, take my, that woman is your mother now. Take care of my mother. To Mary, about Mary, to John. John recognized Jesus Christ and said, it's the Lord, and Peter didn't recognize Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you sometimes you don't see the Lord's hand moving in your life, Christian. Man, I, things are just going bad. I, I, I can't get things right at work. My family's falling apart. My finances aren't working. And you, you, it takes another Christian to come up to you and say, have you thought about going back to church? <laughs> have you thought about... Getting back with Jesus? That's not a bad idea. I haven't been to church in years and years. Yeah, have you thought about just getting back into church? John sees it, and it, sometimes it takes another Christian to remind you. Maybe the Lord's telling you something. Maybe the Lord's telling you something. Let's pick up the story in verse 8. And the other disciples came in a little ship. For they were not far from land, but as it were, 200 cubits. Dragging the net with fishes. <laughs> There's some Christians that are real quick to get right with Jesus Christ. Amen. Peter knows it's the Lord. He just jumps off the boat. Woo! Some of them are dragging the worldly goods with them. I'm coming, Jesus. Let me grab all my stuff. Let me load up this U-Haul. But I'm coming, Jesus. <laughs> some of us leave the whole world behind and go for Jesus. That's what that wall is about right there. That wall of missionaries. Those are brothers and sisters that says, I'm leaving the whole world behind. I'm going to the world for Jesus. Amen. Amen. This brother Ronnie Hoggett and Sister Linda Hoggett, they've had them in their house. I mean, almost 100 of them in their house. I know 100 if you count the women and the children, all the 
Some will come in with 20 children, so you know, that, that's 100 easy. But the point is, is they've seen these men and women, and they've seen them living out of a little trailer house, I mean, a little travel trailer, trying to make ends meet. They've sold their house, and they're, they're living out, you know, five kids living out a little trailer, tra travel trailer, trying to go from church to church to church, trying to raise money so they can go, to G go over the world for Jesus Christ. They don't have, they're not, they don't have 15 new halls following them around. That's Peter. He's a great example of that, trying to get right with the Lord. Verse 9, as soon as they come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring other fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. See what Jesus Christ is trying to remind Peter of the simple truth. I called you to be a fisher of men. Did he not? Follow me. He said that to Peter, James, and John. Jesus Christ said to Peter, James, John, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. And the Bible says they left their nets and followed Jesus Christ. Peter decided, I'm going to go back into the world. I'm not following Jesus. I'm going to go do what I'm going to do. And he decided, and, G and he caught nothing. The world started falling apart. He wasn't good what he used to be good at. He wasn't good what, at the world what he used to be at. And he's trying to figure out what's going on. And Jesus Christ is showing him. You know, I remind, let me remind you, Peter, that I called you to be a fisher, a fisher of men. Verse 12, Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, well, Who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. He's eating. We're going to be eating up in heaven. I can't wait. Good Baptist eating. Verse 14. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. Now let's close out in verse 15 on. So when they had dined, Jesus saith unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith, he saith unto him, Feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. You know what's interesting about this is he doesn't ask John that. He doesn't ask Thomas this. He doesn't ask any of the other disciples. There were six other disciples there. He only asked Jesus. He only, Jesus only asked Peter this. He says, uh, do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? It's kind of interesting. See, when you first meet Jesus Christ, and you, Jesus Christ comes in your life, he start, you, it's a blessing. You're eating at the table. He's feeding you at the table. You're getting fed. You're getting all the food you could eat, all the spiritual food you could ever have. But there comes a time, Christian, where you've got to push yourself away from the table. Say, okay, it's now it's time to get up and work. And so many Christians are still at the table and they're still eating at the table of Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with sitting at the table eating with Jesus, but there's come a time where you got to rise up. There comes a time where you come and dine, and there comes a time where you push yourself from the table and say, okay, it's time to get up and do something. So when they had died, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Look at verse 16. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said to him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said to him, Feed my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? This is the third time. Peter was grieved because he had said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? 
And he saith unto, said unto him, this is Peter, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. I think it's interesting when you study this out that Peter was the only one that Jesus Christ asked this to. And when you study this out, what you'll notice if you go back up to verse 3, whose idea was it to go fishing? It was Simon's. It was Peter's. Look, verse 3, Simon Peter saith unto him, I go a fishing. Did he say, hey, let's all go fishing? No. He just says, hey guys, I'm going fishing. And what happened? And they say unto him, we also go with thee. There's other Christians following you. There's other Christians walking, watching you. There's other Christians going to do just exactly what you do. You might not realize it, and the youngest, listen to me, the youngest Christian in here, there's other Christians watching you. And your conduct is going to, it's going to, it's going to influence what they're doing. And Simon Peter says, I'm going fishing, and they could have said, I'm not going fishing, I'm going to go tell the world about Jesus Christ. They said, well, if Simon's going, I guess I'll go too. And of course, what happened there? They caught nothing. I think that's one of the reasons why Jesus Christ is asking him. Why did Jesus Christ ask Peter this? Why did he not ask somebody else? Well, there's one reason, too. In closing, the one reason is, is because what did Peter do? Peter had denied Jesus Christ three times. Peter had denied Jesus Christ three times, and now Jesus Christ is making him confessing three times. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. But he says something interesting. He says, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Did Peter feed the sheep of the Lord? I think he did. Was he doing it then? No, he wasn't. Who are the sheep? That's other Christians. The sheep aren't those out there who are lost. He's talking about sheep are other Christians. Jesus is the good shepherd. We're the sheep. And instead of feeding the sheep like Peter should have been doing, he was saying, I'm going fishing. And the sheep are going to be sheep, and sheep do what sheep do. Sheep follow, and they said, oh, my, my, we'll go fishing too. Peter, Jesus is saying, Peter, I want you feeding the sheep. I don't want you out there fishing. I got things for you to do. I want you to help me feed these sheep. And he did. And I think it's interesting is he asked him three times to feed his sheep, and Peter wrote First Peter. And he feeds the sheep with 1 Peter. He wrote 2 Peter. And he feeds the sheep with 2 Peter. And if you believe some scholars that he was a part of the Gospel of Mark, that's the third book right there. And he's fed the sheep three different ways, three different times. Praise God for Peter. So what's, what do we know about Peter? What happened to Peter? I'll tell you what happened to Peter. After this story right here, the Holy Spirit falls. You know what happens the next time you find Peter? Peter's at, the one who denied Jesus Christ, the one that was hiding out, saying, I don't know him, I don't know who he is, and he was afraid. You know, you find Jesus, you find Peter act like a coward. The next time you see G Peter, he's up there at the day of Pentecost, and all the Jews that were there that were crucified Jesus Christ, and he's speaking boldly for Jesus Christ. You crucified your Messiah. Repent. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You crucified him. You know what happened when he had boldness like that? 3,000 souls got saved at the day of Pentecost. That's Peter. You ever see Peter pulling out a sword again 
and cutting off somebody's ear for the name of Jesus Christ. You know what you find Peter doing? You, fear, you see Peter getting beat for naming the name of Jesus Christ and coming out from getting beat by the council and saying, Praise God, I got beat for the name of Jesus. That's Peter. You know, I don't know where you're at in your life. I don't know what kind of Christian walk you're having. But the Lord can lift you up and do some really good things with you. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. 
You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.